Latvia Weekly, your independent guide to the news in Latvia, with your hosts Otto Tabuns and Joe Horgan. Latvian Museum, and welcome to episode number one hundred and twenty-four of the Latvia Weekly Podcast. I am Joe Horgan, joining you from Yelgava, Latvia, here on Friday, May seventh, uh, exactly nine thirty, actually, right now, PM, and I am joined. From the other side of Yelgava by Mr. Otto Tabuns, joined virtually, of course, right now. Otto, how are you? Hello, Joe. Uh, that's right. I'm in here in Yelgava as well, uh, enjoying the very nice sunset that we had just after the uh, some something of a rain and something of a, um, a sun that we had quite a strange weather today. Uh, but I think it will be nice evening and hopefully it will get uh, warmer soon as from in Yelgava, but also in other parts of our country. Yeah, I was told by a friend of mine that it's supposed to be summer next week already. That there's going to be like something like mm-hmm. 25 degrees Celsius, which is in the 70s, 80s, something like that. I've, I've already forgotten how Fahrenheit works, but um, yeah. yeah. So we um, we've got a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, so for those of you who have not listened to the show before, what we usually do every week is we talk through the major stories, the most important things that are happening here in Latvia, and usually that involves talking about the kind of major COVID things that happen first, and then, you know, different other domestic stories, some international stories. And then we usually end with the week in history. But certain times, there is a very important week in history that we uh, like to start with. And we're going to do that today, because May 4th, 1990 is something that we celebrate every single year. And Otto, can you tell people why do we celebrate the 4th of May here in Latvia? It's not not because of Star Wars. I know some people celebrate it because it's like, you know, May the 4th be with you. Um, but uh, for, for people here in Latvia, it's a, it's a little bit more important than that. <laughs> that that's right. And uh, here, if, if we would uh, talk about Star Wars, then it would be perhaps a bit more closer to the Cold War and the way how President Reagan referred to that in that context more closer uh, if we talk about 4th of May in uh, what we remember that um, in Latvia because that of course is the day uh, when uh, the Supreme Council of uh, Latvia at that time the Soviet occupied Latvia uh, declared uh, the restating of uh, the restoration of independence uh, after uh, 50 years of, of occupation and that was very significant because the Supreme Council of uh, Latvia at that time was the first uh, democratically elected uh, body uh, throughout all of the 50 years of the occupation and uh, there uh, it was possible also to um, uh, have not only a candidate of the Communist Party which was the ruling party of the Soviet Union uh, but also of people who had uh, different uh, political uh, sympathies and um, there you had a number of people who uh, wanted to uh, restore independence, and they represented uh, the uh, majority of uh, people in Latvia at that time. And uh, this was a very significant uh, day because, despite the pressure and despite different challenges uh, to trying to get our independence back, the Supreme Council did vote for it, uh, even though uh, there were some uh, doubts and it was quite a worrisome time for uh, those who wanted independence back. It was possible to get the absolute majority needed for this. And this paved the way for the parliamentary uh, restoration of our independence uh, that uh, many in our country wanted to. 
Yeah, and I just want to, um, you know, stress that, uh, well, a couple of things. So first of all, you know, although this was the official proclamation day, this didn't just mean that, uh, okay, you know, Latvia is suddenly, you know, back to the way things were in, you know, 1939, for example. Um, you know, this was the beginning of a process. And, and there's other days that, you know, people discuss, we've even discussed on the show before, you know, whether or not they should be, you know, maybe celebrated in, instead of the 4th of May. Um, but, uh, you know, I kind of as this... Uh, you know, kind of second Independence Day or restoration of Independence Day. Um, but, you know, th- this this is uh, very, very significant in terms of how bold it was, you know, because at the time there was no, um, you know, there, there was a sense that the Soviet Union was kind of coming apart, um, but there was no guarantee whatsoever that that wouldn't have just gone down as, you know, kind of a minor footnote in history and that there could be some kind of very brutal crackdown. And that there were the barricades, you know, the next year, um, you know, which which was a violent uh, crackdown. And, and uh, you know, this began... Uh, you know, pretty much a three-year process of uh, restoring the, uh, the, the the Constitution, you know, an updated version of the Constitution. So, you know, it, j- just like with, um, same with the 18th of November, um, you know, that was the proclamation day, but it was the beginning of a process. And, there, and there's other days which, you know, we will mention, of course, as we always do every year, you know, in the week in history that, that are very important too. Um, so, uh, but th- this is, this is a, you know, day that is, um, a day off for, for people. Um, and, and actually one kind of interesting thing is that, uh, so this year it fell on a Tuesday. So the Monday, Saima voted to move the Monday to su- uh, Saturday. So, so Monday was also a day off and now, um, you know, people who work in, you know, for example, schools, other government institutions that, you know, have this kind of, uh, you know, like a, like official schedule, um, you know, so, so Saturday is, you know, I, I have, for example, on Saturday, the, uh, classes that I would normally have on a Monday that I have to teach. So, you know, kind of an interesting thing that, that usually happens every year. Um, but Otto, so how, how is the 4th of May supposed to be celebrated? So one uh, of the moments of the celebration is, of course, to uh, talk with people and to remember that because, uh, you know, for uh, many people, uh, well, not for me, but uh, for quite a few people in Latvia, uh, this uh, is in living memory. And uh, it was something that uh, many people followed because this was uh, really a very important moment and many things could change for better or for worse at that time. And uh, the vote in the Supreme Council was broadcast on radio and uh, many people at that time had uh, their um, portable radios if they were on the street and that was the way how to know uh, which way uh, our our future will go and uh, each vote was counted. And it was, uh, you know, quite a thriller uh, until the moment uh, it was clear uh, that uh, the majority is in place uh, to restore independence. Uh, and that will be the way instead of, indeed, as you mentioned, the possibility of a crackdown, which was a real thing. We, we later saw what happened in Lithuania and later also in Latvia with regard to barricades. So it was not just something uh, given. Uh, and so we have... Um, uh, people who were uh, involved um, in these events, uh, who either uh, voted for this. For example, I remember in uh, the Yaldo Spido um, State Gymnasium uh, at that time, uh, Yaldo Spido School, uh, the first uh, director actually was one of the uh, deputies of the Supreme Council who voted for this. Uh, so I also remember him sharing uh, the memories of uh, that time and also on the television. Uh, they are showing the uh, memories as recorded by different people who were there uh, in uh, this situation. Uh, there are also uh, uh, other traditions that are associated with it. Uh, one of the most recent ones is uh, to uh, have um, 
uh, a lunch together with your family and uh, use a white tablecloth so as to make it a, a, a quite a, a serious um, event in the same time that you would have you know uh, the best uh, tablecloth uh, and you would have some special food and that would be also uh, a way how to commemorate uh, this uh, great event but also enjoy the fact that you know it is spring, it is usually good weather, it's a holiday and that's something that you can enjoy together uh, with uh, your family and remember that uh, we are able to live in a much more uh, stable and prosperous uh, situation than it was uh, more than uh, 30 years ago. Yeah, I think if I remember correctly, I think that was 2017. I think it was just before the 100th anniversary that uh, you know, the, the, the the Ministry of Culture uh, decided to, uh, you know, introduce this new tradition. And, you know, at, at the time, you know, be, you know, it was kind of like, what, well, you know, we're going to create this, you know, entirely new tradition. But, you know, all, all traditions have to start somewhere. And, uh, you mm-hmm. know, I, I think... You know, I I don't know, Otto. What, what do you think? I mean, has has this kind of become something that's captured people's imagination? I mean, I you know, my family does it every year. Uh, we did it this year in a forest, and I actually saw other people. You know, there was this one forest that we went to um, that had different uh, picnics, and um, in this forest, actually, by the way, um, th- this is where the uh, the very famous Christmas battle happened in the original Latvian War of uh, Independence. Um, so uh, you know, th- there there were uh, you know, it was kind of a very fitting place to have it. Um, but but we saw some other families there with uh, with white tablecloths. Uh, you know, do, do you think Otto, this is something that is going to stick this white tablecloth tradition, Balta Galda uh, Svetki? What, what, what do you think? Uh, well, uh, I hope that it will because I think it is a positive development. I remember. Uh, when it uh, initially was introduced, and uh, a very particular way that uh, uh, I wanted to note uh, was that uh, this uh, tradition was also uh, put in place uh, not only within families, but also between colleagues and also between, uh, let's say, uh, different offices or different enterprises that they got together, you know, like with the um, uh, shop or the um, uh, office uh, from the uh, other side of the building or from the neighbors and that was also a chance you know well um, not exactly to the extent of a block party or something like that that you would have for example in the United Kingdom when they celebrate uh, the birthday of the uh, monarch uh, but I think this was um, a, a good additional tradition and I saw that also in in some schools uh, they try to put that in place uh, uh, and um, I think this would be uh, very good in the sense that it would not only be just another holiday, as we would have uh, quite a few of them, but uh, this would be this chance uh, for a different generation to get together and speak and uh, remember uh, our living history, uh, so that uh, it is uh, clear, especially for the younger generation, what is the significance of this. Yeah, um, you know, I, 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 I enjoy the tradition, and you know, um, one thing also, you know, the last thing I'll say about this, because we, you know, we spent a long time talking about this already in the episode, uh, you know, one thing that is important to remember, you know, that really, for me, when I first came to Latvia, this was back in 2013, uh, specifically about the 18th of November, um, you know, I remember just having this sense that people took it much more seriously, and it was much more of a living thing than, you know, the 4th of July in America. I mean, of course, people celebrate the 4th of July in America, but it's more of just a, you know, excuse to to grill meat and, you know, set off fireworks. Whereas, you know, I, I got the feeling at the time, and, you know, m- maybe... I don't know if it's exactly the same anymore, you know, maybe, you know, the newer generation that's come in, it's it's starting to change. But, you know, um, most of the people, you know, who are kind of at this march at at this event, celebrating the 18th of November, 
you know, a majority of them were alive, you know, the last time that Latvia was not an independent nation, that, that it was occupied by, you know, a, uh, a foreign power. So, you know, I, I think that's one of the things that, you know, makes it a little bit more immediate, a, a little bit more, you know, special than, you know, maybe in some other places uh, that have enjoyed uh, independence for, for, for a longer amount of time. So, you know, I, I don't know if that will change eventually, but, uh, but you know, it, it is... Um, very, um, you know, special to celebrate and, and uh, you know, something that I, uh, you know, am, am honored to do quite a bit. So um, any any last thoughts, Otto, on uh, the 4th of May before we move on to, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, some, something we, uh, you know, talk about every week? I'm glad that the weather is indeed uh, becoming uh, better. And I think this has been, you know, this uh, threshold between the uh, wintry spring that we have had and indeed the summer that uh, may appear soon after as you mentioned so hopefully this will be you know a moment in time when things are getting better uh, even though as we know in many situations uh, that are currently on the news that's not exactly the case not exactly not exactly well the you know I, I mentioned that we were celebrating in the forest this year and the reason why we were celebrating in the forest it, it was me um, you know my family and then uh the family of my wife's best friend, you know, who uh, they they have a uh, you know son who's the same age as my oldest daughter. Uh, you know, the reason why we were in a forest instead of just you know at one of each other's uh, houses or in the backyard was because of the COVID situation. Uh, you know, this is one of the only places that you can um, you know uh, legally and, and also safely uh, celebrate you know in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, so let, let's let's go through the latest COVID news. Some very interesting developments this week. Um, with with COVID, uh, and uh, you know, first of all, we'll, we'll start with the positive. Auto, you know, speaking of positive developments, so more and more people are getting vaccinated. I mean, you know, you you can pick almost any news day in the last two weeks, and and they'll uh, you know probably be a story saying that a record number of people have been vaccinated, um, and uh, you know we're we're up to just about I believe fifteen percent. I, I can't remember if we've officially passed fifteen percent yet. Um, or uh, or if we're, if we're very close, but uh, um, but uh, you know we're uh, getting more and more people uh, you know with at least the first vaccine. Still a ways to go in terms of people who have been uh, fully vaccinated with both doses. Uh, you know, we, as we've mentioned, uh, you know we, we've gotten more and more shipments of uh, non-AstraZeneca vaccines, which should hopefully help change people's minds. But speaking of people's minds, th- this is the big downside, Otto, and I, I really want to hear your take on this in just a minute. Uh, there was a uh, poll done, this was in the middle of April, and uh, this is by the uh, Latvius Fakti uh, firm, uh, you know, which is one of the kind of major uh, pollsters here in the country. And apparently, still 31% of people are saying that they will not get vaccinated. This is out of um, uh, the the people who were uh, surveyed, and a believe it was 1,003 people surveyed. These were ages uh, 15 to 74. So, uh, you know, I I don't know the uh, full methodology. I didn't get a chance to read through the entire, um, you know, methodology of how they did the the survey. But um, this is obviously concerning, certainly. Um, You know, the one bright side is that, uh, you know, they did a similar survey back in February where they asked the same questions. And uh, originally, 35% of people said that they will not get vaccinated. Now it's down to just 31%. Um, but that's still not a huge shift. That's not the kind of shift that you'd want to see, um, you know, uh, with more and more people getting vaccinated. I mean, you know, we were hoping that, you know, the more people who did get vaccinated and, you know, who didn't, um, you know, go through some of the uh, more... Um, 
you know, absurd uh, potential side effects that the, the, the people were worried about and, you know, uh, some more conspiratorial people were, were, were talking about, you know, th- those have not really come to pass. You know, obviously uh, fevers and, uh, and uh, you know, headaches are one thing, but, uh, you know, like the, uh, the the blood clots that everyone was worried about, you know, it, it ended up being, you know, much more of a, you know, isolated incidence and, and, and not really more than, you know, the amount of people who get blood clots anyway, you know, on in, 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 in a regular basis. Um, but, uh, you know, this is, uh, I don't know, Otto, I mean, for, for me, this is uh, pretty, pretty grim. And, uh, you know, and, and, the, and the worst thing, um, you know, is the uh, group that was least likely to get vaccinated according. So they broke this down by, by age groups. And, uh, you know, so, so people 65 to 74, you know, which was the kind of highest risk group, only 18% of them said that they wouldn't get vaccinated. Uh, whereas people 15 to 24 who, you know, you'd think would be the people most open to, you know, the, the science and, and people who are most open to getting the vaccine, um, they were the group least likely to get the vaccine with 38% uh, saying that they would not get the vaccine. So uh, what do you make of all this, Otto? Well, um, it may partially be um, associated with the fact that uh, the availability of vaccines that would uh, be uh, given to uh, this age group is lower than if we um, look at the vaccines that are available uh, for the older ones. Uh, and perhaps uh, this can also be linked with the, uh, this uh, continuous publicity uh, with regard to certain vaccines uh, in certain countries where there was the decision uh, to administer them only for, let's say, people older than 65 or 50, or that there was uh, one vaccine that in many countries they recommended not to give to uh, people younger than 30 or 40 years. So I think it is associated and partially explainable uh, with uh, this publicity. Um, On the other hand, it could also be the effect of the disinformation that is going on uh, in uh, different media channels, especially in the social media. And I would uh, guess that this age group uh, would use more information that comes from these channels than would be the age group uh, between 65 and uh, 74. Uh, not to say that this group, uh, uh, that uh, this uh, older age group does not uh, use uh, social media, but at the same time, uh, this group, uh, I would, uh, at least from uh, the experience of uh, those people that I know, would also use uh, other sources such as uh, newspapers and television, uh, whereas for the 15 to 24-year-olds, uh, I'm not sure how much it is the case. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but I mean, the main thing, you know, we're, we're going to be talking about uh, <laughs> other other aspects of uh, vaccination in just a minute and specifically the government's response. But, you know, I- imagine you are, you know, Daniel Pavlutz and, and you are responsible for getting as many people vaccinated as possible. You know, what what do you do? I mean, you know, how, uh, how, how do we go forward with this, um, you know, in terms of uh, getting people more comfortable with, with, uh, with, with the idea of getting vaccinated? Well, one uh, uh, objective to achieve is to uh, give the vaccines to those who want it. And uh, that is something that the uh, government and the Ministry of Health has started doing by opening uh, the uh, registration for uh, vaccines for um, all people. And I think that uh, this will certainly help, um, especially that there will be more people that have been vaccinated uh, so that those who are unsure uh, will know perhaps someone who has done it or would know more and more people who uh, have been administered the vaccine and that would make them more confident uh, to go that way as well. Because as we saw in the, in the survey that you mentioned, 
30% are unsure, and this is uh, similar mm. to, uh, you know, these polls before the election. Uh, many factors, uh, especially in the last moment, may change this, uh, but uh, if, if they uh, do not fixate so much the government on uh, these uh, priority groups that they themselves uh, made into a catalogue, uh, it may be uh, better, especially if the goal, as you mentioned, is to get uh, as many people vaccinated as possible. So I think it, it has to be made as flexible as possible, too. Well, uh, speaking of Daniels Pavlutz, uh, who, how, how, how am I doing with his name tonight? Oh, very well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is for those of you listening for the first time. Apparently, um, I've been butchering his name for the last uh two and a half years and uh in auto <laughs> only in the last like uh you know like three episodes ago finally broke it to me that uh that they've had it wrong the whole time so so now, now i'm just a little bit paranoid but uh so, well, so Don- I, I did mention that before as well but don't worry some of the surnames in latvian are challenging and perhaps also our show uh, will help our listeners uh, to uh, manage them as well <laughs> yeah i i think you were probably just like too diplomatic you, you you probably did what i did with my students which isn't just like say joe you're wrong but you probably repeated it back the correct way to me and i and i just i just didn't get it i was i was too thick so so you know i, I think auto auto is very diplomatic he's he's trying to uh you know protect my my, my ego but uh but you know I'm, I'm too much of a hopeless case i think for that um but yeah, so uh, Daniels Pavlutz, uh, the Minister of Health, uh, he made a very bold proclamation this week. This was on Latvian radio on the 5th of May, uh, just uh, two days ago. He said that Latvia could potentially get up to the vaccination rate, which is the European average, by June or July. So we could be back to the average by the summer. Um, you know... Yay, that's good. You know, it's it's good to to be um, not below average. Um, but you know, is this auto the kind of um, you know statement that's the, you know I, I, you know of course uh, you know he doesn't want to make any kind of um, you know unrealistic proclamations. You know, the, the the kind that we've been getting in the past. You know, because you know I understand that uh, you know people are getting fed up with the government saying, oh, you know, this or that is going to happen in this month or that month, and then it just doesn't, you know, because it ends up being unrealistic, um, you know, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think at least for me personally, I, you know, I was hoping to hear something a little bit more, um, I don't know, ambitious or, or optimistic than just kind of, you know, catching up to whatever, you know, the the, the European average is specifically because, you know, uh, you know, pe- people were so used to uh, Latvia, you know, being one of the best countries in the world last summer, you know, with COVID, it, it just, it, I don't know, for me, it's, it's a little bit depressing kind of how, uh, how, how, how far we've fallen uh, when it, when it comes to that. But, uh, but what, what did you make of this, uh, of this statement? Um, you know, it is certainly um, advisable that uh, the government uh, makes uh, quite high uh, objectives uh, in this regard, because uh, as it was reported by the Latvian television, I think it was yesterday, uh, Latvia is in the eighth place in the European economic uh, zone, uh, which includes the European Union, Switzerland, uh, Norway, and the United Kingdom, among others. Um, in uh, this uh, list of uh, countries uh, that are doing worse in terms of uh, new cases of COVID. So the situation is um, not uh, getting uh, better. Uh, so uh, we would need to uh, give the vaccines uh, as fast as possible to everyone who wants them. Uh, so, well, th- that is good that there are these objectives, but perhaps 
um, it would be possible for the Ministry of Health uh, to get additional uh, resources necessary uh, to um, achieve uh, even higher results uh, in a faster time. Well, um, we've got some interesting stories regarding SIMA, okay, which is Latvian Parliament. And um, and actually, we, we, we had a listener who um, actually uh, reached out to us and, and they kind of asked, uh, because a lot of times when you read the news in English or, or in Latvian, you'll, you'll hear, um, you know, the term the government. And, and, and you'll hear that the government has made this decision, but, you know, parliament doesn't support it or something. And then, you know, for people coming from America, you know, this sounds ridiculous because when we think of the government, we think of, you know, the entire state apparatus kind of as a whole. Um, but in parliamentary systems like Latvia, specifically, you know, very often when you hear this term, the government, you, you're, you're talking about the cabinet, you're talking about the ministers. Um, so, you know, the, or in Latvian, the cabinet of ministers, you know, so, so this is, uh, you know, the, the group that's led by Christianus Karns, the prime minister, and includes the, uh, you know, minister of health, minister of education, the minister of economics and all of these. Um, so, and, and they, uh, you know, are, uh, appointed, um, in, you know, they're, they're confirmed by, um, by, 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 by the parliament and, and, you know, they they come from a coalition of parties within the uh, uh, you know the uh, parliament as we've discussed in in the uh, past, but uh, you know their decisions they do have to be voted on by the parliament. It's not just like that the uh, you know minister of cabinet uh, the cabinet of ministers can just you know unilaterally put out decisions. They do have to be voted on by uh, parliament. And if they're not, you know specifically something like a budget, then you know that that's pretty much the end of a uh, of, of a um, yeah yeah auto. Yeah, well, uh, with regard to uh, laws that are um, initiated by the Cabinet of Ministers, that is the case. Uh, at the same time, you would have rules that the Parliament uh, mandates uh, the Cabinet uh, to make on their own, which are not mm -hmm. then voted by the Parliament. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, but, but, but you know, they, they do have to have a mandate, you know, from, from uh, Parliament in the first place. And, you know, it's, it's yeah, not but, like... Yeah, uh, but not necessarily they need to have a vote in the Parliament, uh, the rules afterwards. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I didn't, I didn't specify that enough. But um, you know, it, it's not like because in America, um, you know, we're we're used to uh, you know executive orders where uh, you know uh, you know presidents interpret their you know ability to make executive orders uh, very very loosely, even though it's supposed to be just you know regulations that are, that are delegated to the uh, um, you know. Um, to 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 the executive branch, so it's it's a little bit different, but um, it's it's very complicated. We we need to do another episode at some point that that explains how how this all works. Um, but uh, but in any case, um, you know, you usually, you know, you since the uh, you know government is made up of or the you know cabinet of ministers is made up of a you know a majority coalition of parties from the uh, you know parliament. Usually, you don't have. Uh, you know, the, the kind of things that we've seen, uh, you know, uh, necessarily this week, uh, you know, where, where you have uh, unilateral action from um, from SIMA. But, uh, you know, what, one thing that um, uh, the parliament voted on doing was uh, they uh, made amendments that basically require the prime minister to um, reorganize. So, so this was um, reported a little bit dramatically as... Uh, you know, getting rid of the vaccination bureau, but basically, realistically, it's um, reorganizing it under the uh, National Health Service, um, which uh, apparently includes um, the uh, reduction of salary, uh, employee salaries. Um, but, uh, you know, how, how do you interpret this move, Otto? Is this kind of a way of uh, opposition parties, you know, kind of taking the lead and showing that they want to hold the government more accountable? 
Um, you know, uh, d does this really make any kind of actual difference in the day-to-day -day running of the pandemic, or is this more of kind of political posturing? Well, let's remember that the uh, criticism with uh, regard to the vaccination uh, office uh, came firstly uh, not from the opposition, but uh, from uh, uh, many people uh, within the society. And one indication of this was uh, the uh, signatures that were collected on the portal Manabals, uh, which uh, gives the opportunity to collect signatures for petitions that if they reach uh, a significant uh, preset amount of signatures uh, are forwarded to the parliament and they have to um, uh, review them. Uh, so uh, you had uh, more than 10,000 signatures with regard to such an initiative and uh, I think uh, this was uh, then um, capitalized on both by the opposition but uh, I would also expect uh, those uh, representatives of the coalition uh, that uh, were not happy with uh, how it was organized uh, by uh, their colleague. Yeah, certainly. I mean, because obviously you got a majority of votes in uh, in Parliament. So, you know, th this wasn't only opposition parties. Otherwise, it wouldn't have uh, passed as, you know, with previous, uh, you know, votes of no confidence, for example, that were just pure political posturing. Um, but another thing, so the... Um, uh, head of the medicines agency. So this was uh, Sven. Uh, you're going to have to help me with this, Otto. Sven's uh, Henkusens. Hen yes, you're right. Thank you very much. So, so he was uh, officially demoted. This was after a um, uh, an investigation by uh, a, a disciplinary uh, commission. So this was over um, the very messy procurement um, of uh, vaccines, which we've discussed in the past. But uh, Otto, can, can you um, give us a little bit of background on this decision and what exactly it means? So um, as we saw uh, with the uh, hesitation of uh, procuring uh, the necessary amount of vaccines, uh, you know, we saw the prime minister asking the previous health minister to go. And uh, with the new health minister, uh, Still, the criticism with regard to all process continued. Uh, as a result, there was a strong pressure uh, to uh, find who is guilty for uh, this uh, mishandling of the procurement. And uh, the Ministry of Health, under the direction of the uh, new minister, uh, Pavlut, uh, decided to organize an investigation uh, to uh, reach uh, such conclusions. And uh, among the conclusions that uh, this investigation reached was that there was the mishandling of the situation um, uh, in the work of the State Secretary of the Ministry of Health, which is the highest civil servant of the uh, ministry, um, uh, who was uh, um, offered a demotion but chose instead to quit. And uh, there was also failings uh, indicated uh, in the actions of uh, the head of the State Medicines Agency, who was um, allegedly in charge of this informal uh, working group uh, which had to uh, advise the government uh, and uh, review um, and uh, decide on uh, these preferable options with regard uh, to the procurement. Uh, on the one hand, uh, we saw already this reporting on the way how the work was organized uh, with some of the decisions being discussed over WhatsApp uh, the lack of some protocols or documentation of the decision-making process, so there was no transparency. Um, 
on the one hand, uh, the people who were uh, involved in this working group were implicated and designated as responsible. On the other hand, uh, this um, mechanism for responsibility is not exactly clear uh, because as it was mentioned by uh, Mr. Henkozens, uh, the office that he is in charge of, the State Medicines Agency, uh, did not have the mandate or the task to uh, uh, be in charge of this uh, procurement. And uh, he has already uh, claimed that he will contest this decision. Uh, well, in this situation, we also have to note that um, uh, Mr. Hankerzens is uh, taking a parental leave, so this demotion would take effect only um, in many months' time after he comes back. Uh, but that would not prevent him from uh, contesting that, and we will certainly see uh, no end of it as uh, this lack of formality, lack of uh, proper documentation, uh, will keep this as a hot mess uh, in the hands of whoever is in charge of the Ministry of Health. You know, Otto, one thing I, you know, was wondering if, uh, you know, I could get your take on real quick. Uh, I kind of get the sense that, you, you know, the, the Ministry of Health, uh, you know, and, and I'm sure this is, you know, kind of all over the world, you know, hasn't had a major crisis to, you know, have to deal with, you know, in, in a very long time, you know, similar to a, to a you know, a plague pandemic, anything like this. Uh, you know, do you think that, uh, you know, maybe... The next, you know, after the next uh, government coalition uh, negotiation, which, you know, might actually be after the next election, uh, shockingly, you know, that th this might be the first coalition in Latvian history to actually uh, survive an entire election, you know, normal election cycle. Um, but, uh, you know, do you, do you think that, you know, when this next coalition negotiation process happens, that uh, whoever is put in charge of the health ministry, you know, might be somebody who has more experience with crisis management just to, you know, kind of get ahead of whatever the next big uh, issue could be? Well, that certainly may help. At the same time, as we can see, um, uh, it uh, does not depend um, only on one ministry. It is also the way how the crisis management is organized for the government, because we mm -hmm. saw that on the one hand, there are the responsibilities that are certainly uh, limited to the Ministry of Health. On the other hand, you also have the Ministry of Economy, the Ministry of Finance, the Ministry of Transport, the Ministry of Education, uh, taking into account all the other areas uh, that uh, are affected by this. Uh, so um, I think it would be probably both, both the way how Ministry of Health uh, responds to this, especially in a way that should be uh, uh, transparent and uh, it would be possible to audit that afterwards, uh, but also the way how the government cooperates among themselves. Uh, but, you know, on the one hand, it would need additional professionalism perhaps in the crisis management. On the other hand, it is the matter of political will uh, to cooperate and um, not to use uh, some of the failings for uh, political points. And that probably will be something that will be present in any crisis, uh, whatever the severity of it is. Well, speaking of political points, uh, you know, one issue which is always a hot button issue here in Latvia and specifically within the, you know, Latvian political structure is the issue of language. Because as a reminder, the one official language, uh, the one official state language here in Latvia is Latvian, uh, you know, despite, uh, you know, close to around, you know, one fourth, one third of the, uh, you know, country using um, Russian, uh, you know, on a day-to-day on a, on a day basis. Uh, basis, um, you know, and, and having various uh, levels of uh, Latvian language ability, you know, it, it's it's an issue that is, um, you know, really, uh, 
you know, uh, has, has come up in, in all kinds of different issues. And, and one way that it's uh, popped its head up right now is about uh, informing people about the vaccination, because there was this plan by the health ministry, um, you know, specifically suggested by uh, Minister Pavlutz to put out a Russian language uh, kind of newspaper. And, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to describe if you haven't lived here in Latvia before, you know, you, you get these flyers sometimes in the mail, sometimes from political parties and, you know, other organizations, to, you know, uh, from, from uh, municipalities that are kind of in the format of a newspaper. And it kind of looks like a newspaper, but, you know, it's, it's usually, uh, you know, about a specific topic or, you know, trying to promote some kind of a specific issue. And uh, so, you know, th this was going to be uh, one of these kind of informative newspapers. And uh, the idea was to, uh, you know, put out a uh, Russian language version as well to specifically, um, you know, inform the uh, segment of the population who, you know, doesn't have, uh, you know, necessarily the lobby language skills to, uh, you know, be able to uh, engage on this issue, um, you know, in, in a meaningful enough way. Um, but uh, there was a significant pushback specifically by the Minister of Justice, Yanis Bordons, who is the leader of the uh, Yana Conservative Party or the New Conservative Party, Young Conservative Party. Uh, so he, he claimed that it would degrade the country's language policy. And uh, so he pointed out that, uh, you know, this wouldn't really change you know, the, the situation at all. He said that municipal, um, you know, governments can already, uh, you know, do, do this, um, you know, in, in, in other languages. Um, you know, there, there was this, uh, you know, kind of uh, argument, you know, within, within the coalition itself. This is the kind of thing that, uh, you know, I'm not surprised to, uh, you know, to see happening, Otto. But I wanted to hear, you know, what's your take on this? Because this is something, obviously, that you look at a lot, uh, you know, specifically as a security expert, you know, um, you know, language is a very, very big issue because, you know, for people who, you know, live in a uh, Russian language kind of information space, you know, that tends to be, uh, you know, really uh, almost monopolized by information coming specifically out of you know, Russia and, and, you know, information that is, uh, you know, monopolized by the Russian government through, you know, different either state channels or, um, you know, pseudo state channels, uh, you know, so, so are you worried at all that, uh, you know, this could, you know, open up, um, you know, or, 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 or that this could, um, you know, uh, I don't know, end badly? Uh, well, now, the, uh, f first of all, um, uh, let me remind our uh, listeners, that um, indeed uh, we have uh, many languages that are uh, used in our country. Latvian and uh, Russian would be among uh, the most used, uh, but uh, Latvian language is the official state language, uh, and one of the facts why that is the case is uh, that uh, Latvian is the native language for the majority of uh, inhabitants of Latvia, and uh, most uh, people in Latvia also understand uh, Latvian, uh, so that they are able to use it, uh, not necessarily to the mm, level that you would uh, need to have in university, but certainly to a level uh, that would uh, allow them uh, to uh, uh, um, uh, communicate on everyday uh, life uh, and also uh, to uh, receive uh, public services. Uh, that has been um, uh, proven by uh, recent uh, and uh, frequent uh, polls on this subject. Uh, especially if we talk about the period uh, in the uh, last uh, 10 uh, to 15 years when uh, this proficiency of Latvian has increased, uh, also on the account of uh, the education reforms and the increase of education in Latvian language. Um, uh, if we talk specifically about this case, then uh, indeed we can see the point in the argument that uh, 
uh, under the law. Uh, we have one official language, and that also implies that um, uh, it uh, would be only specific uh, exceptions that would permit, uh, for example, using resources to provide information in other languages. Uh, those would be uh, those ministries who, for example, uh, cooperate uh, in uh, matters uh, that um, are um, consistent with what is necessary in the international institutions that we are part of, for example, as is with the Foreign Ministry and the Ministry of Defense with regard to EU and NATO. Um, at the same time, you also had, uh, uh, for example, those institutions that deal with public diplomacy uh, that also provide uh, information in various languages because that is their mandate uh, under the law. Uh, we see that uh, uh, the Russian language does not have a special role um, under uh, the law and uh, uh, that is uh, probably something that uh, Minister Pavlitz forgot when he proposed uh, to uh, prepare, print and uh, publish um, a newspaper, uh, even if it is about COVID, uh, in a Russian language. Um, uh, because we also have to see that uh, there is uh, information available about the vaccine and the um, COVID situation in uh, Russian, also in English. You can see that on the website, uh, covid19.gov.lv. Uh, you also uh, can uh, find information uh, on the vaccination on the portal manavaccine.lv. Uh, and also, uh, as I understand, if you uh, call this uh, information uh, number 8989, uh, then also you would have operators who um, uh, would be able to uh, respond in Russian. Um, for example, that would not necessarily be the case with English, even though we also have a significant English-speaking community, including uh, many of our uh, listeners. So uh, the point here, uh, which uh, of course always can be played out to uh, political ends, is that it, well, if we have uh, this law and we have these standards in the law, then uh, the, the right thing to do would be to go through the government and uh, prescribe a particular uh, situation in the law rather than uh, playing out an exception uh, because that would really then uh, serve as a precedent that would not be in line with the language policy which is enshrined in our constitution and in our law. Uh, there was also a big questions about the money that was planned for this uh, endeavor. I think it was uh, several uh, 100,000 euros that were intended for the preparing, uh, uh, translating, uh, publishing um, of uh, this newspaper. So it was partially also uh, that fault, uh, but certainly also with the election approaching, uh, the matter of language and identity um, is something that is still present uh, despite uh, other concerns that uh, are there. And I would say that uh, the availability of the information about the uh, vaccine um, is there and is there in uh, many languages um, and at least three languages including Russian uh, so um, I I'm not sure whether um, the newspaper uh, trying uh, to compete with other sources of information would be uh, good enough. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I can see both sides of this, you know, and I think, um, you know, from from the side of Paul Lutz, you know, I, I don't think he necessarily, you know, forgot the law or anything like that. You know, I, I think, um, you know, the idea is that this is a good enough reason to make an exception. But, you know, on the other hand, you know, I agree. I mean, who knows how effective this uh, newspaper would be in the first place. And, uh, and yeah, you know, the, the issue about the precedent, you know, um, you know, in future situations, you know, okay, you can say that, uh, you know, uh, vaccination is a big enough 
concern is a big enough uh, public health crisis to, you know, require um, some kind of special exception. But then, you know, in the future, you know, other uh, for other situations, which are also important, you know, you can also say, well, we made an exception in this case, so we can make another exception, another exception, another exception. And, you know, if uh, if it is going to continue being the uh, Latvian government's priority to, uh, you know, have these protections on the Latvian language as the uh, sole state language, then, well, you know, that, you know, then, then uh, you know, Minister Bordon's uh, argument certainly does make sense. So, um, you know, for, for now, uh, you know, the, uh, the uh, situation will continue as it is. Yeah, and let me also add that perhaps this was uh, the, the, uh, the matter that this issue is uh, even on the agenda. Uh, is another failing of the vaccination office, uh, which will be uh, reorganized uh, uh, under the decision of the uh, parliament, because uh, they should have uh, started uh, this um, and, uh, with uh, checking the uh, legal situation before uh, asking the government for uh, money for it. So, so they did it the wrong way around, and uh, this is the consequence. Or you'd think that they would just, you know, bring this up in some kind of uh, back channel necessarily instead of just, uh, you know, having this out, you know, as a major, um, you know, I don't know, the, 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 I think, I think, um, you know, some, you know, few people need a public relations uh, seminar, uh, you know, to, to, to avoid some of these, uh, you know, just ridiculous issues that we, we keep having to deal with in terms of the, um, you know, PR side of the, uh, and, and the uh, communication side of the, uh, you know, um, uh, the plant uh, pandemic uh, management, but uh, you know one. Um, so so moving on, you know another uh, kind of big political battle, which was very interesting to see this week, and I'm, I can't wait to hear your uh, take on this auto because I haven't had a chance to talk about it with you ahead of time. But um, you know, speaking, you know, as I did earlier about uh, you know um, Parliament being able to uh, you know work uh, and uh, you know potentially make. Uh, laws and amendments, you know, independent of the government. Um, so, you know, the uh, majority of uh, uh, parliament has, uh, you know, agreed to uh, make amendments to the COVID, uh, you know, management uh, regulations and allow uh, outdoor seating in uh, restaurants and cafes, which, you know, already was open today. I, I was actually, um, you know, at one of these uh, uh, cafes enjoying a, uh, a cup of coffee with, um uh, some family friends, and uh, you know th- this was interesting because um, you know the obviously um, uh, Christianus Karns, the prime minister, was not uh, very happy about this and was worried that uh, you know this could uh, you know become a potentially dangerous situation in terms of you know the, the uh, government having you know their you know hopefully uh, you know the best experts in the country you know knowing exactly what the situation is and you know you 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 have um, you know uh, again elements in uh, parliament who, you know, are, you know, getting ahead of the uh, next election and, you know, might, you know, they, they know that, uh, you know, these, these restrictions are very, very unpopular, uh, you know, among the general public. And, you know, if you're one of these opposition parties trying to, uh, you know, uh, you know, have concrete things that you did when you were in the opposition, uh, you know, allowing people to go outside to, uh, you know, have dinner in a restaurant is, is going to be pretty popular. And, you know, this this could, uh, I don't know, you know, th- this could end up being kind of a dangerous, uh, you know, precedent if, if they're going to move, um, you know, uh, kind of on their own uh, without, uh, you know, the agreement of the government. But this did go ahead. I mean, obviously, uh, a lot of people are happy about this, uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, a lot of people uh, were of the opinion that, uh, you know, this, this outdoor restriction didn't really make any sense anyway, because realistically, you know, you can get takeout, you know, even before this restriction was, um, 
uh, was uh, relaxed, you know, you could just get takeout from a restaurant and then go sit on a bench, you know, without a mask and, you know, with uh, however many people you really wanted. I mean, not necessarily legally, but uh, but realistically, that was what was happening. So, uh, you know, why not, uh, you know, allow this to happen in a kind of a more controlled, uh, you know, manner? Um, so I don't know, Otto, what, what's your uh, take on this kind of uh, on the way that this developed and, uh, and on the way that this could uh, develop in the future? Well, uh, from a legal perspective, I would not say that this is a, a dangerous precedent because we have to remember that uh, in uh, our country, according to our constitution, uh, it is the parliament uh, who uh, is the boss. Uh, and, uh, well, of course, the government is mandated to deal uh, with uh, those matters that uh, the parliament has uh, mandated uh, the cabinet to deal with. Uh, at the same time, uh, well, let's not forget who is who, and the parliament is uh, the one uh, the, who has the uh, final say, and the government, uh, in the sense of the cabinet, has to accept that. Um, from uh, this coherence of the public policy, of course, uh, it is problematic that uh, uh, they could not have uh, a better coordination about this matter, especially if um, the, the uh, coalition represents the majority of uh, the um, um, deputies of the parliament. So, um, and uh, the biggest risk uh, probably here is to the stability of uh, Karinj government, and that would be the biggest problem that could arise out of this, because. Um, even after this cabinet and in uh, any other situation, it still would be possible for the parliament uh, to review anything that the government does. But of course, for crisis management, um, it certainly does not benefit the efficiency of uh, any policy that they are taking if uh, even within the coalition um, they are not uh, able uh, to stand common ground. That certainly casts doubts about uh, the future prospects of, of the cabinet. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it's it's going to be very interesting to see, um, you know, how how this plays out, especially, you know, if um, you know the situation does stabilize, you know, a bit over the summer, you know, if that might be, uh, you know, a, a time when uh, you know um, parties decide to kind of pounce and and uh, see if they can reshuffle, uh, you know, the. Uh, coalition because you know again as a reminder you know as i kind of mentioned you know hinted at earlier um you know in general uh cabinets and you know uh, governments do not last very long in latvia kind of historically and you know there there has never been in all of latvian history you know a, a single cabinet that has lasted all the way from one regularly scheduled election to another one just you know four years later uh so you know th th there is that to keep in mind in any case you know without a pandemic uh, you know, governments are notoriously unstable. Um, so, you know, and, and this one was not one that was expected to last very long in general, just because of how many different ingredients there were, you know, of uh, many different political philosophies and sensibilities. So, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, one kind of theory, you know, kind of has been that, uh, you know, this government has kind of stayed together just because nobody wants to, uh, you know, change horses uh, in the middle of the stream. But, you know, if we get into a little bit more shallow water, uh, then, uh, you know, we, we might have a, uh, a government death watch, uh, you know, and kind of really begin in earnest. So, you know, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see how this develops. But um, uh, what, what do you think, Otto? I mean, do you, you know, do you think that it is too early to uh, you know, start having outdoor seating again, uh, you know, based on the statistics and, you know, the uh, fact that the numbers are not getting any better. You know, we just had a thousand new cases 
you know, um, you know, part of that was because of uh, increased testing. But uh, you know, what, what, how, how do you how do you read this? Uh, well, um, I have heard, uh, for example, uh, from um, the Dr. Pereroschikos and other uh, specialists who have told that uh, outdoors, uh, the possibility to uh, become infected with uh, COVID is uh, much more limited uh, than it is indoors. And if uh, these uh, regulations with regard to the way how it can be done uh, with regard to outdoor catering, if these regulations are followed, uh, then uh, I would see uh, uh, no problem there. Uh, of course, that uh, always uh, depends on human behavior and how these restrictions are followed. Um, because uh, we see the pressure uh, that is ongoing for the catering industry, for uh, the economy, and uh, if uh, this would be a reasonably safe way how to proceed with this, then perhaps uh, this could stay um, and uh, it would be a way forward, especially if we look at the rate of vaccination, which is uh, not as fast as it should be. Uh, so, well, you know, uh, we can make all the rules that we want. At the same time, it always depends from the willingness of the people to follow them. Perhaps this could be as uh, one of the measures how to let at least part of this uh, steam of criticism uh, go so that there would not be a bigger uh, backlash uh, from uh, some parts of the society. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, and, and the other you know aspect is, you know, of course, health is more important than, you know, uh, money, I guess, you know, but, uh, you know, and there's kind of been this ongoing debate, you know, all over the world over, uh, you know, um, the public health restrictions versus, you know, keeping the economy afloat, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, you do need to keep the economy afloat. Uh, you know, you, you, you can't just have everything shut down um, forever and, and just be, um, you know, uh, uh, relying on, um, on, on on taxpayer money to fund everything, uh, you know, when, when there is no uh, tax income, uh, you know, uh, from, from uh, you know, the uh, private businesses. So, you know, there does yes. have to be some kind of balance. And, uh, you know, if, if this is some way to kind of meet halfway, uh, then, you know, I, I think, you know, there's going to have to be more and more measures like this because, you know, this is not a uh, stable situation that can exist forever. Uh, you know, in, in terms of uh, the, the economic situation. And of course, you know, we, we don't want to put uh, unnecessary lives at risk, but there does have to be some kind of balance, certainly. That's so, right. Yeah. Um, and speaking of a balance, uh, so kind of our final COVID story, and I'm sorry that we spoke so long on COVID, and, you know, th this episode's going to be a little bit longer than usual. Um, but uh, there was uh, kind of the first week of this pilot project at the Latvian National Museum of Art. So this was um, kind of a project to see whether or not um, you could have visitors in the museum um, and, and also do it in kind of an epidemiologically safe way. Uh, so apparently uh, over this um, uh, week, so uh, more than 4,000 people visited and, uh, and uh, the website had shut down on the very second day uh, for 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 booking it, um, you know the, these visits. So it, it's apparently sounds like a success, auto. And you know, do you think this this is something that could be replicated in other not just museums but other institutions uh, and kind of a tourist uh, kind of places throughout the country? Uh, hopefully, because um, I have seen um, a lot of uh, reports by my friends on the social media and um, in uh, conversations over the phone. And uh, I have uh, seen completely positive response, and I think uh, this is also one of the ways how uh, to uh, benefit the society, also in psychological terms, to 
take the pressure down and also uh, indeed uh, find ways that are reasonably safe so that uh, at least in uh, some domains we can go uh, back to uh, what it uh, previously was at least to uh, some extent. And I think that that is also a, a great benefit uh, for um, the representatives uh, of the cultural field uh, which have also been um, significantly affected by this inability to reach uh, any audiences uh, almost. Well, that finally does it for COVID-related stories for the week, um, but we still have uh, quite a bit to get through, and uh, we will do that um, you know, as quickly as possible in as much depth as uh, reasonably as possible. Uh, I want to focus on two major stories that we talked about last week, uh, two very tragic stories, both involving fires, uh, because there have been some major updates to both of those stories. So we'll start with um, the first one, uh, which we talked about last week, which was this uh, hostel. Um, so this was a hostel that was working basically illegally, um, and uh, it did catch on fire. And there were uh, multiple people who died uh, in in this uh, in this fire um, due to a number of uh, safety uh, violations being uh, pretty much ignored. Um, so uh, a couple of uh, you know major updates. So first of all, there was a um, a uh, kind of official working group that was um, put together to to investigate, um, you know, the different hostels and and um, apparently there have been some uh, raids, some different hospital, uh, not hospitals, hostels have uh, have um, uh, mentioned that, uh, or it, it's come out that uh, there there were raids into other and other hostels, um, specifically ones that were not following um that we're not following uh the uh, regulations for hostels that do exist and uh, apparently uh seems like uh, so far five people have been um arrested in connection with um with this tragedy so um what, what do you think Otto? i mean uh what, what do you make of kind of these uh these major developments that have happened so far in the story well uh finally uh, there will be some responsibility uh, for violations like this and unfortunately uh, people had to die uh, for uh, this uh, to uh, come to something. Um, it is indeed a problem uh, which is not isolated only uh, to that uh, hostel or um, at that street. Uh, it is in, indeed an issue um, especially in Riga and uh, so far uh, there have been uh, problems in uh, putting a check on it, uh, especially uh, that uh, these uh, matters of uh, responsibility between different institutions and the municipality have uh, not been uh, clear enough. Uh, so at least now this has served as uh, this alarm bell uh, to uh, uh, deal with this because of course this uh, the matter of not only individual security and uh, health uh, but also it is the matter of uh, the image of uh, our capital city and our country, especially uh, for the time uh, when uh, the tourism will be uh, opened uh, fully and uh, well, we will uh, see this uh, demand uh, for um, accommodation. Uh, so um, hopefully there will be uh, more results and uh, this will not be tolerated or overlooked to the extent that it has been previously. You know, it's amazing to me, you know, speaking of this demand for, uh, you know, housing or for um, accommodation, I mean, you know, we've, we've talked in the past about, uh, you know, just this endless amount of hotels, it seems like, that are being, you know, built all over the place. And, you know, I'm always scratching my head wondering, you know, <laughs> you know, who, who are all these people, um, you know, staying in Riga that we need, you know, 50 gajillion new hotels, you know, kind of all over the city, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, when it comes to these hostels, 
you know, obviously, um, you know, they, these are, this is much cheaper accommodation than, uh, you know, these much more high end, you know, even these like, you know, quote unquote budget hotels, you know, certainly cost quite a bit more than, um, you know, these, uh, you know, illegal or semi-legal, uh, you know, um, you know, kind of Airbnb type places uh, that, that are, they're operating a foul of the law. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know, um, you know, this is a, uh, you know, something that the government's going to, I think, have to come up with some kind of strategic vision on because, you know, people do need affordable places to, you know, uh, to stay, but, uh, you know, it, it needs to be done in a safe way that, you know, doesn't re uh, result in, uh, you know, people's completely unnecessary uh, deaths, um, you know, like, like we've had in this situation. So, you know, I, I think uh, this is something the government's going to have to kind of think about kind of, uh, you know, the bigger picture of. Um but the other very tragic fire, um, which we had some major updates on this week, so this was the death of a uh, of a medic in Tukums, um, who uh, there were um, talks that uh, this could be a um, homophobia-related crime, uh, specifically because he had been um, kind of the target of uh, of, of, of homophobic um, you know insults or threats in the past, uh, and uh, it seems like uh, you know this person was. Uh, lit on fire. Um, and uh, so the police um, report so far, uh, which was very, very controversial. Um, so no uh, evidence of uh, homophobia was found so far, uh, according to the, um, you know, kind of initial part of the police report. And of course, this report is still ongoing, and, and there's still a lot of evidence to be uh, looked at. But, but one um, very controversial part of this report was the uh, potential um, alternative theory that uh, this individual um, committed suicide, which um, you know was uh, uh, you know specifically for people who uh, who knew him, uh, and and there was a number of people who uh, uh, went out and, and protested in Tukums uh, against this um, investigation. Uh, you know, one of the things that they were protesting was this idea that. Uh, you know, he, he did commit suicide, which, um, you know, j just for, for me, you know, as well, uh, you know, the, 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 this is pretty um, difficult to believe out of all the ways that, uh, you know, you could potentially commit suicide, you know, un unless you're trying to make a, you know, big statement, uh, you know, lighting yourself on fire is, uh, you know, not, not, uh, not, not, not the first thing that really comes to mind. Um, so, you know, Otto, I, I want to hear your uh, take on this, you know, do you think, it is premature to start, uh, you know, protesting uh, the the investigation. You know, if if it is kind of in this uh, earlier stage, or you know, do you think that um, you know th th this kind of um, you know public response will uh, create more accountability for for the um, you know in investigation, or you know what what's what's your kind of uh, overall take on the situation? Well, these uh, protests certainly have uh, brought uh, additional. Uh, pressure uh, to uh, move forward uh, with the investigation and not to uh, write uh, it off. Um, it is uh, it is very important to follow how uh, the police uh, will uh, construe their conclusions in this case because um, I would guess that uh, it would be difficult uh, to prove either of the allegation that uh, he was set on fire by the person who was responsible uh, for uh, previous harassment and threats, uh, or that uh, the person who died uh, committed a suicide. So neither of those will be easy uh, to approve uh, the, in a legal uh, context. Uh, well, one aspect uh, that uh, 
was not reported by the police but was uh, reported uh, by the uh, partner of uh, the person who deceased uh, was uh, this um, evidence of uh, threats uh, from a, a person uh, who was in conflict with the person who died um, after uh, the burning. Uh, it will be, of course, difficult uh, to find an attribution or find a link that uh, allegedly uh, this person who uh, was responsible for the harassment was also involved in any way uh, with uh, setting uh, Mr. Kinzel's on fire. Uh, we'll see. Um, I think it will be a, a great test for the ability of the state police uh, to, to follow uh, the existing procedures and the existing law and uh, probably uh, there will be calls uh, to review uh, um, the conclusion, whatever it is, and involve other instances, perhaps the uh, Prosecutor General's office or um, or perhaps this, this may even uh, go to court. So certainly this will be um, very contested and also um, a tough legal case if we talk about criminal law. Certainly, yeah. And, you know, and um, since this is a human rights issue as well, you know, with the um, potential homophobia in here, you know, I can understand the nervousness that the, uh, you know, police, uh, you know, want to brush this aside and, you know, kind of... Uh, you know, write this off and not open this, you know, massive can of, uh, you know, uh, worms, you know, which can spill over into the political sphere as well. Uh, you know, so so there is a very legitimate fear that, uh, you know, um, you know that the, the people have and, and that they don't want this issue to just kind of, um, you know, disappear or, or go on the back burner. Um, so I, I can understand that because we do see this, you know, happening in, in other countries, uh, you know, where, uh, you know, police just don't want to... Uh, you know, um, dig too deeply into the, uh, you know, ugliness of a case like this. So uh, hope, you know, I, I think, though, that uh, this has received enough attention, certainly by the media, that people are going to be following it very, very closely. I, I agree with your take on this, Otto. So we and we will keep you posted as well when, when we hear more about this uh, investigation, uh, which we certainly will uh, in the near future. But Otto, um, looking at uh, how much time we uh, have already gone through, I think it is time to bring back the rapid fire segment and get through um, the rest of the domestic stories very quickly. What do you think? Sure. Okay. So uh, first rapid fire story. So um, there is a, a new regulation that the health ministry has uh, proposed that uh, new pharmacies cannot open within half a kilometer of a pharmacy that already exists. Uh, so, or, or specifically a 500 meter uh, radius of a, of a pharmacy that already exists. So um, I did not know, Otto, that this was a pressing issue, that we have too uh, dense um, pharmacy concentration in, in the country. Um, I don't know, what, what's what's your kind of like uh, initial take on this? Because, uh, you know, I, I know that some people will probably... Um, you know, interpret this as a, uh, you know, just kind of an unnecessary government regulation, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, do you think that this is solving a problem that exists? Well, I think, in my opinion, that it will, um, on the opposite, create uh, new problems, because uh, if I would follow the economic uh, logic that I find logical, then and, uh, this would uh, not benefit uh, competition and uh, would, uh, in my mind, not be in the best interest of uh, the consumers, the people who have to buy uh, medicines either uh, um, following a prescription or uh, for uh, other reasons. So I'm not exactly sure where the Ministry of Health is going with this. 
because you know if uh, there is this uh, restriction to open a new uh, pharmacy or this uh, um, drugstore uh, closer than uh, 500 meters from an existing one, uh, there would be some locations such as the, the area around the old town, the Riga center, or um, other uh, places in uh, compact cities uh, where uh, this would uh, limit the competition very much. Uh, and um, I'm not so sure that uh, uh, there will be uh, such a big of an interest for uh, these alternative operators of these pharmacies uh, to go uh, to the smaller, uh, let's say, villages or uh, towns uh, to do their business uh, uh, there. Uh, I think uh, this will serve the interest of the biggest player in the market and uh, already there is the issue of the uh, drug prices being higher uh, in uh, many regards than in uh, Estonia or Lithuania and I think this will make them even more expensive. Yeah, and you know, again, this is not um, this is not going to be in effect for uh, pharmacies that already exist. So it's not like you know pharmacies that already exist, you know, within a five hundred meter radius of which there's plenty. Like in, you know, you mentioned a place like Old Town or even you know here in Yelgova, um, you know, they're they're not going to have to close down because of this. But uh, you know, if the idea is to uh, you know open up more pharmacies in the further out regions, you know, I, I don't see how this you know makes it more profitable to do that. Uh, you know, so so I you know I I think uh, I. I would probably agree with you on this one that uh, you know the uh, idea is in the right place, but uh, you know the devil is always in the details. Um, but this next uh, this next one, Otto, I, I think is uh, very relevant to you because congratulations uh, for uh, joining the driver's license club. So Otto now uh, he just passed his uh, his uh, driving test and uh, he now officially is on the road. Uh, he is, um, you know, uh, graduated from a militant pedestrian to now a, uh, a, uh, a, fellow, a fellow driver. So congratulations, Otto. Thank you very much. And probably the biggest motivation uh, was indeed uh, the headline that we have had for uh, many, many months now, the COVID situation, uh, which of course uh, in uh, certain situations makes it more reasonable to have uh, private transport instead of uh, a public one. Uh, although hopefully uh, I will not have to forget about that uh, as indeed in many places it is still uh, convenient uh, with the uh, public one. Hopefully the COVID will go away. Uh, at the same time uh, I think it will certainly contribute to my ability uh, to discuss many of these traffic stories from a variety of perspectives. Like this one because uh, the 110 km per hour maximum speed is uh, back in effect on uh, in two places. So th this is the uh, Riga Ventspils Highway uh, between Riga and uh, and Yormala, and then also on the Riga Sigulda um, Highway. Uh, um, so uh, so this is um, uh, from um, the. Uh, um, oh my gosh, I, I can't I can't pronounce this for some reason. Why why can't I do this? Um, uh, vet vet. Vetsleisene? Vetsleisene, yes. Okay, yeah. Um, so, so, so a section of the uh, the Riga Sigulda uh, Vetsleisene um, uh, highway as well. So th these are only two places. There are also a few places where uh, 100 kilometer an hour uh, speed limit is uh, in effect as well. So also on some kind of the more major highways here in uh, in the country. Um, but uh, you know, and, and this this only applies usually to um, to motorcycles and, um, and and smaller transportation, not to uh, to trucks. 
Um, so, uh, you know, uh, this is obviously you know, welcome news to uh, people who, you know, might be driving at these speeds anyway, and uh, now can do so legally, at least in these sections. But, uh, you know, of course, we want to remind everyone to drive safely and remember that, uh, you know, there are, there are um, you know, definitely uh, costly penalties to, uh, you know, driving over uh, that limit. So not just in terms of, you um, you know the the ones that come from the government, but also you know um, there 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 are accidents that happen all the time uh, with when speed is a factor. So do be careful about that. But uh, you know um, I don't know uh, what, what what's your uh, take on this auto? Are you are you happy to hear the uh, speeds increasing in a couple places for the summer months? Uh, well, uh, that certainly uh, may help uh, to uh, reach some of the destinations slightly faster. Even though the bigger difference, of course, is within the cities rather than highways. Uh, taking into account that the distances between the cities are uh, much more limited and would not make such a difference. Uh, the other homework that uh, has to be remembered then is of course the quality of roads uh, because um, as I see uh, one of the sections where this permitted speed will be increased is on the Yalgava Highway uh, from the Riga border to the traffic overpass on the Yalgava bypass and just uh, outside Riga on this highway uh, the road quality I'm not sure it will um, it will uh, be uh, all right or safe for uh, passage um, in uh, a couple of seasons. So hopefully that will go in hand um, so that it is um, not only legal but also safe to drive at that speed. Uh, another story, so this uh, um, is a little bit more relevant to me than auto. So uh, the state family benefits are increasing next year. Uh, so, so this was a um, decision that was uh, approved by uh, SIMA. So um, for one child under the age of 20, uh, the, the um, benefit will be 25 euros. Um, for uh, two children, so which I have, uh, so it's uh, 50 euros uh, each. Uh, 100 euros altogether, and then for three children under the age of 20, 75 euros each. And with uh, families who have uh, more than three children, uh, 100 euros each. So um, quite uh, a bit, because um, you know it, it's significantly less than that right now. Right now, it's only um, for um, uh, one child, uh, 11.38 uh, for two, uh, 26. Uh, sorry, 22.76, and then. Um, uh, for 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 more than three thirty four fourteen. So these are significant increases to the uh, the current system. And uh, you know, obviously, I'm you know, <laughs> I'm fine with this. Uh, you know, but uh, you know, um, I I am uh, you know both a taxpayer and somebody who you know will uh, benefit from the system. Uh, you know, uh, auto from from the perspective of uh, you know taxpayers who do not you know currently have children. Um, what's what's your take on this? Uh, well, I'm happy for the families, including your family, uh, that uh, will benefit from this. Uh, but of course, uh, well, the government uh, should also uh, look at it not only, let's say, from the political points perspective, but also uh, whether uh, um, that is um, enough or the best way how to reach the uh, objective of uh, this uh, benefit, uh, specifically with regard to uh, the policy on uh, the demographics, because you know one one thing is the uh, benefits and this financial support, but uh, the other uh, aspect that uh, Joe you also must be familiar with is, for example, with regard to kindergartens and mm -hmm. uh, the availability of other resources uh, that if you have to pay for them privately, uh, that will not be covered by uh, such benefit at all. 
certainly not. Yeah, but um, you know, I, I can't really speak on this because I'm, you know, in the kind of the uh, the, the special line because I work, uh, you know, as a, as a teacher. And uh, so it's a little bit easier to get into a kindergarten than if, uh, you know, you're not working for a, uh, you know, a municipal institution. So I, I uh, you know, can't really comment on that. But, uh, but you know, the numbers are, are correct. You know, this is just part of, you know, overall uh, you know, the government's policy of trying to encourage people to have uh, children here in, in Latvia. Um, you know, so I don't know. You know, if if uh, if it's going to have a huge effect on that, you know, I'm I'm not <laughs> inspired to have four children just so I can, you know, get extra benefits because obviously uh, having four children is a lot more expensive than that. But uh, you know, um, definitely will be uh, a, uh, helpful for those uh, who who do have larger families. Um, one story I don't want to get into this very much right now because uh, you know we don't have a whole lot of time, and uh, you know we can discuss this next week uh, after it already happens. But uh, the very controversial 9th of May. Uh, uh, event which happens every year, um, you know, the biggest one being in Riga. This is the day um, that is commemorated, um, you know, differently in, in um, uh, the West. Uh, this is commemorated on the 8th, the end of uh, World War II. Um, in uh, in Russia, this is uh, commemorated on the 9th uh, because of the, you know, the, uh, in the uh, dateline uh, and, uh, you know, the, 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 the time that this uh, officially happened uh, at the end of World War II. It was also uh, celebrated by the Soviet Union um, on the on the 9th of May as well. So this is a, a very controversial celebration, which is not officially sanctioned, um, you know, or recognized by uh, the uh, the you know uh, national government, um, you know. But it is uh, very popular among a certain uh, uh, aspect of the population. Um, well, this year, you know, there there are going to be uh, it, the event's not going to be completely closed, but there will be. Um, uh, you know, kind of uh, stricter measures as there are, you know, with any gathering, with any event. Um, so, you know, on, on one hand, this is not, uh, you know, particularly a, a controversial, uh, you know, decision or story or anything like that. Uh, but we will have to see what happens um, because, uh, you know, it, it is always a, a, a day that, um, you know, comes with uh, controversy. So, you know, I, I think we'll discuss this probably a little bit more next time, Otto, but, but just kind of any uh, comments that you want to mention right now? Uh, well, hopefully... Uh, that um, uh, this will not uh, cause a spike uh, of uh, COVID cases and mm -hmm. uh, the control will uh, work. Yeah, um, another kind of upcoming thing uh, a little bit further in the future. So uh, as we've talked about, so the World Hockey, uh, so the 2021 uh, Ice Hockey World Championship, uh, which is run by the International Ice Hockey Federation, um, which is a huge deal, by the way, in Latvia, you know, for, for people in America, you know, I, I think most even hardcore hockey fans are only kind of vaguely aware that this happens every year, but it is huge here in Latvia and in a lot of other, um, you know, specifically European countries, but the United States also takes part in this, Canada, you know, all, all the big names. Um, so, so this is, uh, you know, where Latvia's uh, um, uh, national team, uh, you know, usually does pretty darn well, you know, certainly better than uh, Dinamo Riga does in the uh, Continental Hockey League, thank goodness. Uh, so this is actually happening in Latvia this year. This was um, something that people were very excited about, and this was an event that was going to be shared between Latvia and Belarus, um, but uh, the, the, the Belarus side has been um, basically, uh, you know, n not not allowed to um, uh, to 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 hold uh, their events that were planned uh, due to the um, in, very controversial actions by the Belarusian government uh, a few months ago after the um, after the uh, election. Um, so the story, uh, and, and I, I, this is just kind of a, a minor thing. We'll be talking much more about the World Hockey Championship uh, eventually. Hopefully, we'll have good news <laughs> from from Riga at least. But um, 
so uh, apparently the city government is putting up 500,000 euros uh, for different organizational expenses. Um, I guess, you know, for some people, this is controversial that this is, uh, you know, city government money that is going there. But, you know, again, 500,000 euros, you know, I don't know, I, I was expecting it would be, you know, quite a bit more than that, you know, potentially, but, uh, you know, obviously, the reason why a city government or a national government would put up, you know, money for, uh, you know, kind of a private event like this is to, you know, help increase tourism and help increase the economy. But of course, since we're not going to have uh, guests, you know, we're not going to even have, uh, you know, really attendees at all at these uh, facilities, you know, I, I guess the question is, is this a uh, reasonable use of uh, public funds? So what's, what's your take on this, Otto? Uh, hopefully this will uh, bring uh, the, you know, benefit that would be associated uh, with the event, uh, of course, uh, all the um, uh, deciding on uh, where and with uh, which countries it will actually take place was uh, quite uh, annoying at one point, and uh, you know th there were even questions of whether to to host it at all. Uh, but um, well, if we are having it, hopefully we can make the most out of it, and um, uh, I think uh, this would be a good opportunity for our. Um, a national team uh, to represent itself uh, very well, to represent our country, and would certainly uh, have the potential of uh, bringing us the necessary uh, boost of uh, positive emotions that would be delivered by uh, great results, and our national hockey team is usually the best at it. Uh, another story, uh, which we'll mention real quick, this is a long, long, long ongoing story, you know, which, which I've been hearing about my entire time. I've been here in Latvia, you know, for pretty much eight years now. Um, and, and this is the very kind of, um, depressing, you know, tale of, uh, Leopaya's, uh, metal works. Um, you know, this was one of the biggest employers of the, you know, entire city. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it was not able to, um, you know, survive the, uh, you know, economic situation, um, you know, that, that was there at the beginning of the 2010s. Um, and uh, it did go uh, bankrupt. Um, so just before I actually came to Latvia in, uh, in, in spring of 2013, uh, there's been ongoing, you know, endless uh, drama over, you know, what's going to happen uh, with the, you know, territory and, and the, uh, you know, complex and, and just the entity in general. There was a Turkish investor that wanted to buy the company, and they they had to uh, or, or, or uh, buy the um, uh, the real estate and and the uh, electrical steel melting um, facilities, and uh, they had apparently uh, had an agreement to do so. But then uh, Leopaya City Council, you know, uh, I guess was thinking of stepping in and uh, trying to uh, buy it themselves and create some kind of a, a business park, and then. Um, you know, and this is just part of the kind of ongoing, uh, you know, issue. There, there was apparently some company from Ukraine at one point that tried to, uh, you know, uh, do something with the uh, with the territory. Um, I don't know, Otto. I mean, how do you see this? Is there is there kind of hope in the uh, you know near future to, you know, have a uh, you know economically viable, um, you know, job producing. Uh, solution to uh, you know this uh, you know kind of e economic disaster for the city. Well, um, in, in my opinion, uh, following the reporting on that for years, uh, probably not in the way that it has previously been done, and probably it was uh, long overdue. Uh, this uh, issue of um, you know uh, failed uh, opportunities uh, to make it competitive enough, uh, or uh, to uh, find the demand uh, for it. Uh, 
probably uh, the development of uh, this part of uh, Liapaya as a business park and the attracting of other businesses uh, would be a long-term solution. I think we already reported uh, that uh, one of the companies uh, that provides uh, some uh, very useful, uh, I think it was a telescopic uh, a package sorting equipment or something like that uh, for the Amazon company um, uh, will expand in this area and hopefully other uh, companies uh, may do that as well and uh, bring um, another boost uh, to this part of the country and the city of Liepaja which uh, depended on the business activity um, um, on the side of uh, former Liepaja's Metalworks. Well, uh, two last very, very quick stories um, and uh you know, the first one is that uh, Rail Baltica, which we haven't really talked about in a couple of weeks, but this is that uh, major project which Otto and I are very excited for uh, to connect um, uh, the Baltic states together with high-speed European gauge railroad, and then also uh, with the rest of uh, you know Western Europe's um, uh, high-speed rail network, uh, which will make uh, travel to Latvia um, by train much much easier. I mean, it, it already is possible to travel to Western Europe by train, but uh, you know you have to kind of. Um, <laughs> Uh, deal with some very inconvenient uh, scheduling and, um, you know, uh, well, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, but um, so they have released some very interesting concept photos. You can check out the Rail Baltica website and uh, see what these trains will apparently yeah, theoretically look like. Um, I, I love that the colors are basically the same as uh, or very similar to, you know, the uh, Pashti Revealtians, the the um, red and uh, the red and uh, um what am I saying? Red. The yellow and blue. I'm looking at the colors. There's no red. There's literally no red anywhere I can see on these trains. They're they're, they're yellow and blue. Um, you know, but uh, you know, a little bit, little bit different shades. They look very futuristic. Um, you know, obviously these are just concept photos, so uh, you know a lot can change. But uh, pretty exciting. Uh, did you get a chance to look at these pictures, Otto? Uh, yes. Uh, hopefully that they will also materialize uh, in reality sooner than later. And we have already seen. Uh, a report from Lithuania that they are interested to start running uh, these uh, uh, routes already between uh, Riga, Vilnius and Warsaw and hopefully uh, this would be also added on uh, with regard to Tallinn as soon as possible. I think that would uh, bring a number of benefits uh, to our country. Certainly, yes. And uh, I think we need to wrap up this episode pretty quickly because I'm failing at uh, naming my primary colors. So uh, that, that, that's, a, that's a good time to finish. Uh, but the last uh, rapid fire story is that uh, if you are interested in moving to Latvia and have not done so already, then you can go to investinlatvia.org and there is a new uh, PDF guide that you can download and check out. Uh, it's a relocation guide to Latvia. And uh, it's it's pretty good. I I, I took a uh, look through it, um, and uh, and there's some very useful information. It covers just about everything, um, you know. But uh, but also, you know, if you want some kind of more personal, uh, you know, one-on-one -on -one advice, feel free to uh, reach out to me because uh, you know I've I've been through it all. <laughs> you know, I've been through here uh, eight years now. So um, you know, I, I've I've dealt with pretty much all these situations previously. So you can always uh, uh, write to me too if uh, if you would like to hear my experiences or get some advice. Um, but that that's it for the rapid fire stories. Uh, and Otto, we've got some interesting international ones. So I'm going to let you take it from here. Uh, tell me about Russia's uh, blacklisting, a very controversial action that was taken uh, at the end of last week. Um, exactly. So uh, this follows uh, the, the, the diplomatic tango that we had had with regard to 
the Western reaction uh, to the, the um, Russian special operation in uh, Czechia that uh, ended up uh, with um, a, a lives being lost and big material uh, losses and um, uh, continuing with the different uh, diplomatic and political steps uh, Russia has uh, imposed a ban of entering Russia uh, to uh, the head of the Latvian National Electronic Mass Media Council and the director of the Latvian State Language Center. And so uh, I think it goes uh, together partially with the story on the Russian language that we discussed previously uh, because the uh, public policy uh, in the Republic of Latvia with regard uh, to what is the official language and uh, with regard to the uh, media content and uh, the requirements uh, for uh, official language and the role of other languages is certainly something that uh, is not in line with what Russia would like to have, at least officially, um, in um, our country. And so uh, this, I think, will show that uh, a direction like this would be uh, one of the main problems in our bilateral relationships for uh, the years to come. And um, this, I'm very interested to hear your take on this because I'm sure that you are following this very quickly, um, you and your colleagues at the Baltic Security Foundation. So tell me about this ghostwriter group that apparently has been spreading misinformation um, through different uh, online channels uh, throughout the region. Yes, so here we are talking about uh, different narratives uh, or different stories uh, that are uh, critical of uh, NATO presence in um, Eastern Europe. Um, also in Latvia, and uh, these uh, stories that have been uh, published uh, in uh, uh, different uh, channels, including social media, um, have been recognized as uh, being uh, very identical uh, with uh, what would be the Russian official policy with regard to increased NATO presence in Eastern and Central uh, Europe. And apparently there is additional research that uh, proves that uh, many of these uh, stories or uh, many of um, uh, these uh, sources of these stories are uh, connected uh, with uh, apparently a state uh, actor, um, specifically Russia, who uh, is uh, either funding or supporting um, the creation and promotion of such stories that would um, decrease uh, the good relationships between the members of NATO and also decrease the confidence of the citizens of NATO countries in the alliance. And that is, of course, part of the uh, big game that uh, some people think they are playing. So um, speaking of NATO, so, so one um, ally in NATO is uh, Turkey. And one thing um, that is a very big issue for uh, Turkey is the issue of the uh, Armenian genocide, which they are very, very... Um, uh, adamant about uh, did not happen the way that uh, the um, kind of prevailing historical um, you know consensus is that it happened. Uh, you know the um, uh, genocide carried out by the Ottoman Empire. Um, you know which was you know by the way a completely different uh, you know kind of a, a government than you know what 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 we have now is the Turkish state. Um, but uh, so Saima uh, did move ahead as a number of countries have been doing, including. Um, you know the uh, the Biden administration um, kind of did a did a similar um, uh, kind of action. So this was uh, on the day of the um, Armenian genocide um, 
recognition. Um, uh, so, so they uh, did a, a officially adopt a, a declaration on this, uh, recognizing the Armenian genocide, uh, which was um, uh, agreed to 64 to 4. So there was quite a few who um, uh, did abstain. And um, some of those who, uh, who, who did vote against it, those four, um, so the, <laughs> this is a story I'd, I'd actually forgotten about. Um, uh, this was from last year. Uh, this, some of these were named as uh, politically biased election observers um, for their, um, uh, you know, kind of outspoken support with Azerbaijan, who, uh, you know, was um, at war uh, last year with um, with Armenia. Um, so uh, what's your what's your take on this, Otto? You know, is this is part of the kind of general, um, you know, kind of uh, deterioration of, um, of relations between uh, Turkey and uh, the other countries of NATO? Uh, it could be um, the part of a common stance uh, with regard to actions of Turkey uh, that um, other Western allies uh, do not find beneficial for the alliance. Uh, one of these uh, we already saw with regard to the uh, NATO defense plans with regard to Baltic states and Poland and the hesitation of uh, Turkey to approve them um, in context with the, uh, the Turkish, uh, Greek and the Turkish uh, Cyprus uh, relationship and uh, all the uh, overspills that it gives to both the European and um, transatlantic uh, relationship. Uh, so as we can see, uh, the version of the declaration was uh, approved by the Foreign Affairs Committee, which is a committee of the parliament uh, that uh, advises usually the parliament on these matters. Uh, so um, I would uh, expect that this is part of a coordinated action um, and uh, this may be also something that uh, Latvia and the United States coordinated um, uh, together. Um, uh, it is certainly also motivated by uh, the, the war between Armenia and Azerbaijan as you uh, mentioned and we also had uh, a, a, the very uh, big public pressure uh, both from the local Armenian and Azerbaijan communities and others who supported one or another cause. So this certainly uh, would explain why this is so uh, topical on the agenda. Uh, but what it will bring in the relationship with Turkey, uh, only time will tell. Uh, but uh, perhaps there is some sense in uh, what uh, the Minister of Defense uh, told that, uh, or what we can interpret from uh, his criticism of the move that uh, Potentially, this could hurt uh, us more than it would certainly uh, the United States, but we'll see. Yeah, you know, it's just it's just depressing. I just you know wish Turkey could just go ahead and just you know I mean you know it's it's just uh, you know so, so many other countries have uh, come to terms with uh, the ugly things that have happened in the past, and you know I mean almost every single you know major country has been guilty of some horrific, uh, terrible crimes in small countries as well. Uh, you know, and and just the 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 effort that they make to uh, you know uh, try to deny this is, uh, is is mind blowing to me. And you know, I don't see how why it needs to even be an issue in the year two thousand twenty one with everything else going on in the world. So you know, hopefully there will be some movement on this. Uh, you know, but but it's not looking very uh, likely. But uh, two last international stories, real quick. So um, this was uh, kind of the conclusion of the big Swedbank scandal, which we uh, talked about uh, for for quite some time already. Uh, so uh, apparently, um, the uh, uh, Nasdaq Stockholm's uh, disciplinary committee has uh, re required Swedbank to pay um, a series of uh, fines, which is uh, comes out to uh, in euros, uh, four and a half million. 
uh, and this was uh, over uh, money laundering um, measures which were not followed. So, um, Otto, you know, we, we, we've discussed this story before, um, but, but what's your take on this? I mean, you know, do you think that this is a, uh, you know, meant to be kind of a warning to, to other banks to, to take this very, very seriously? Because, you know, Swedbank is generally considered, you know, one of the uh, more reputable banks, you know, in, um, you know, in, in Europe and especially in this region. So, uh, so what, what, what's your kind of uh, overall take on the story? Well, uh, Swedbank has been uh, one of the biggest players in uh, Latvian and Baltic uh, banking sector. And perhaps uh, this is also uh, one of the uh, consequences of uh, this uh, bridge from the east to west in terms of uh, operating with uh, finances, uh, the sourcing of which is not exactly clear um, or clear enough. Uh, and uh, perhaps this will be uh, a lesson uh, in future or perhaps an indication that uh, matters like this uh, should not repeat and that uh, there are in place mechanisms uh, to to check that. Uh, so hopefully this uh, will uh, bring uh, benefits in terms of uh, clarity and transparency so that our uh, financial system has a good reputation. That is important for us as a country. Another thing that's important to Latvia as a country, as with every country, is uh, food. And, uh, you know, uh, Latvia, you know, as we've talked about before, has a, um, you know, shared kind of a cultural history with um, with Lithuania, you know, in terms of the, uh, you know, both uh, sharing Baltic languages um, and, uh, you know, a, a lot of, um, you know, shared cultural history, even though, you know, the political history is quite different in terms of, um, you know, the, uh, the way that that went. But um, one thing that uh, will strengthen um, this kind of tie between, uh, you know, one aspect, which is uh, food, is uh, this new uh, project that's been announced, and this is going to be a cross-border project between, uh, how is it pronounced, Otto, Utena? Uh, no, I think it's uh, Utanai. Ah, okay, yes, thank you. you, you <laughs> your Lithuanian is much better than mine, which is non-existent, and, uh, and Latgale, which is the uh, eastern region of, uh, of Latvia. Um, so uh, apparently this is going to support local food producers. Uh, so what, what do you think about this story, Otto? Well, I think uh, that uh, it is good, especially at this time. Uh, uh, some of, uh, of these uh, producers uh, I know um, in the sense that uh, their production is represented, for example, at the central market in Riga. Uh, for example, I know of a, a very good uh, butter and very good cheese that you can get from the Kraslava surroundings. Uh, and I think uh, at this time when you really have limited opportunities to promote your uh, products, uh, uh, this should be a good push, uh, especially at these border regions, and uh, hopefully uh, we will also see uh, more of uh, these very nice uh, products that are also very tasty, and uh, of those uh, whose quality is also quite competitive uh, with um, other imported goods. And we started this episode quite a while ago now. This has been a, a, a very, very long one. But, you know, certain weeks there's just more to discuss than others. And, you know, this was a very um, interesting week in both good and bad ways. Um, but we started with um, a, a very important date in history. But there's another very important date in history on uh, May 1st, 1920, Auto. So can you uh, start to wrap things up with, uh, with what happened uh, then? Uh, that's right. So, um, as we mentioned uh, uh, 31 years ago, uh, we declared the restoration of our independence. So, it figures that uh, we declared our independence uh, before 1990, and uh, that was indeed uh, the case in uh, 1918. 
more than 100 years ago. And um, after we uh, fought uh, the War of Independence and it uh, was uh, almost uh, concluded, uh, it was possible uh, to um, elect uh, the Constitutional Assembly, which represented all regions uh, of um, our country and was uh, the representative of the Latvian people uh, that decided uh, what should be the constitution or satversme that we invoke in this show uh, very, very frequently. And that is uh, our basic law. And this assembly that uh, decided on this basic law uh, represented indeed all parts of Latvia and also represented um, uh, both in the composition and also in the election uh, both uh, men and women, uh, which was also uh, quite progressive uh, for the world at that time. And thank goodness, Otto, that you are um, a uh, you know somewhat of an expert on constitutional law because you can correct me whenever I uh, try to oversimplify things. Um, you know when it, when it comes to the Latvian government because because uh, uh, you, you're you're always very good at um, you know add, adding the perspectives which I which I miss um, and, uh, and and thank you for doing that both this episode and uh, yeah. and always. So you know, Joe, I wish it was that simple, but unfortunately, <laughs> it it isn't. <laughs> No, yes, I know. There, there, there's the, uh, you know, it, it's always like the different levels. Whenever it comes to anything that you learn, you know, if it's if it's grammar or law or anything, you know, there's the there's the basic parts, and then and then it just becomes more and more and more complicated, and then you know, it it ends up uh, just making you uh, <laughs> uh, kind of depressed and uh, you know, questioning yeah. questioning the universe. But but uh, I think you know between uh, you and I, uh, we will. Uh, I think we are doing a good job in in trying to explain how it works. <laughs> I hope so. Even even if uh, the <laughs> explanations end up, uh, you know, an hour and forty five minutes long. So thank you everyone for um, bearing with us this episode. We hope that this was informative and uh, you know somewhat entertaining as well. Um, I think Otto next week, you know, in in honor of the fact that uh, you know restaurants and cafes and and uh, bars uh, can be seated outside, I think maybe we should uh, maybe we should record uh, outside together for for the first time uh, in in quite a while. What do you, what do you think? Yes, indeed, and. I think that would be a great idea, and uh, we could remember, I think it was one of the first episodes, if not the first, that we actually, I think, did uh, in uh, one of the cafes uh, in Riga when it actually was possible. <laughs> yes, we actually used to do that quite a bit. Uh, we, you know, we had this cafe that was overlooking um, the uh, kind of train station, which unfortunately closed, uh, which I was kind of heartbroken about because we, we recorded quite a few episodes there, and it was a... Um, <laughs> I don't think we actually ever ate the food. We, we ordered, like, a coffee, and <laughs> that was yeah. it. I think I ordered, like, a plate of fries once just because I, uh, you know, kind of felt bad just... Uh, you know, but, um, or maybe I was just hungry. I don't know. Anyway, um, that, that does it for this week. So, uh, get out, enjoy the nice weather, uh, which I hope ends up being nice, nicer than today, at least, uh, you know, which ended up kind of raining half the day, but, um, and, uh, and hang in there, you know, stay healthy, you know, don't, um, you know, don't, don't do anything crazy. Cause you know, we are still in a pandemic. Um, but, uh, let's, uh, let, let's hope for some, uh, warmer and brighter times ahead, you know, both in terms of the, uh, the news and, and also the the weather as well so any any last words you want to mention auto before we sign off for um, now yes let me join in that uh, sentiment and also for those of you who uh, want to get vaccinated and haven't done that yet uh, there are plenty of uh, times for registration so that you can make your appointment uh, if you have decided to do so and finally there's also plenty of vaccines as well which are you know uh, one thing that sure. you actually need to do that so uh, so great. Uh, so take care, everyone, and until next week, Visulab, we see him. Visulab. <laughs>